Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show was brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partners of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA, the Silent Disco IPA, and the Double Disco Southeast PA style Double IPA. But don't forget our official beer. The Pater IPA is still available right now only in Funk's tap room in Emmaus, but it won't be around much longer. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.believ.com at search Pater for our two t shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart, it comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t shirt. It has the Pater word mark over the heart and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season. It has Matt McGloin's name and number. Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.bl. EAV.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College, as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, which is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037 at McGloin QB11 and at Tom Hannafin. Matt, we're recording late Sunday evening. The news broke earlier on today that Penn State is Rose Bowl bound. The number 11 Penn State and the Lions will be facing the Pac-12 champions, number eight Utah in the Rose Bowl on Monday, January 2nd. That'll be live at 5 p.m. Eastern on ABC. When you heard the news, what was your reaction? Yeah, they're, you know, pretty fortunate USC got beat. Right. Yes. <laughs> but no, look, it's it's bet. This is for Penn State best possible situation. You know, I think you can be. And I didn't think, Tom, that it would be a possibility. Like you saw rumors about them jumping Ohio State to get to the Rose Bowl. But I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I don't know if that I, I just don't know if that's possible. There's a chance, but I don't know if that's possible, you know, at the end of the day. But for Penn State to have the chance to play in the Rose Bowl against the Pac-12 champs in Utah, who is a very good football team. You know, they lose to Florida, UCLA. They lose to Oregon, three very good football teams right there. But, you know, this this is a great game um, that, that we're going to have the opportunity to see. They match up very well. You know, Utah is a type of team. They play like a team that that looks like they, they could hang in the Big Ten. Reminds me of Michigan 
Yeah, like they can hang like a Wisconsin, you know what I mean? Like 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 a tough team, a, a, a big team up front, a physical football team. Like like they can hang with some of the best in the Big Ten. So, you know, th- this is going to be a really, really good football game. But this this gives Penn State, you know, that that chance to get that national recognition in a big win in a big bowl game that, that we talked a little bit about. You know, I know like we talked about, you know, having a chance for Penn State to play a brand you know, like a, like an Alabama or a Clemson or a, or a Tennessee or something like that. But you look at what Kyle Whittingham has done with, with Utah over the years, right? S- successful seasons, you know, they've done a fantastic job. This is a very good football program. And uh, yeah, Penn State's going to have to work it out for them. You're playing against the brand in an event that is a brand in and of itself. I'll say this in regards to the way that Utah dispatched USC, that second half of the Pac-12 championship game looked like the movie Remember the Titans after you get the you blitz all night speech. Utah pummeled USC. I don't know if it was a personal issue. It looked like they were trying to make a statement. The way that Utah played, Penn State's going to be in for a dogfight. I am very excited to see this matchup. I think it's fantastic. And with that, Matt, we're very fortunate for this episode of Pater to have a really, really special guest to help us break it all down. So as we're breaking down Penn State's opportunity in the Rose Bowl, we thought it would be appropriate to be joined by the voice of Penn State football, Steve Jones, who has been here on Patriot before. We're extremely grateful for you taking the time because it's late Sunday evening and you really, really wanted to talk about the Rose Bowl. So uh, Matt and I, like the rest of Penn State football fans, are ecstatic about this. I'll put it this way, Steve. In the offseason, Penn State was unranked. I know personally I could see this team finishing as badly as eight and four to six and six. You wind up ten and two in the regular season. Now you're in the Rose Bowl against number eight Utah. Did you see anything like this coming? Well, I'm not gonna say I expected the Rose Bowl, but Jack Ham and I, after watching a bunch of practices in the preseason, I mean a lot. Matt knows how many I'm talking about. I mean, we're there almost every day. We both strongly felt privately that this was a double-digit win team. We could just see in the depth, because that's the big difference now today in college football. Everybody's going to lose players' time. And I think the last two years when Penn State lost key players, they could not absorb the losses. And that's why they ended up with as many, quote, narrow losses as they had this year because they had a lot more depth. And that was provided by that freshman class. You could see that if something were to happen, they could absorb it, which meant that they could have an opportunity at more wins. The talent level's high. The freshman class made a big, big difference, and they really went about their business with a very quiet confidence. This was not a cocky, arrogant swagger. We're going to show the world team. They just went about their business, and they felt they were better than everybody thought they were. It's been really impressive to see how the team has evolved throughout the season, and now you get to this point. If anything, Steve, this is the bowl game. Now, understanding, yes, if you're playing in the college football playoff, you're trying to win a national championship. Those are the games everybody is striving for. But in my opinion, in the opinion of others, the bowl game that everybody dreams about playing in is the Rose Bowl. What makes this event so special? Oh, I think this has everything you could possibly ask for. It starts with you know how the players are treated at the Rose Bowl, the Tournament of Roses parade in the morning, 
No, I'm not going to go to it. I went to it once. Okay. <laughs> You've been to a few I've, now, so you're accustomed. <laughs> I've been to it once. This is, for me, this is a business trip. Uh, and I think when you get into the setting and you think about all the iconic moments that have happened in that stadium, and you're standing on the floor of that stadium, and I've had the privilege of standing on the floor of it at a, at a practice, and you see the San Gabriels, you see the pageantry of it. You see it, you know it's going to be a great opponent across the field from you. This time it's going to be Utah. It just has everything that you can ask for because this is the game on New Year's Day, or in this case, January 2nd, where a good portion of the country sits down, especially in cold weather locales, and looks and says, <laughs> oh, the California looks pretty nice this time That's of year. Nice. Everybody, and, and you're going to get 17 million viewers for a game like yeah. this. Because there's still a lot of people that feel that way. Now, this will be the last ever traditional Rose Bowl between the Big Ten and the Pac-10, Pac-12, because next year it'll be a semifinal game. Then the year after it gets absorbed into the playoff. That doesn't mean you may not have a Big Ten versus a Pac-10 team playing out there. But it's, you know, and Penn State played in the first one in the stadium 100 years ago. On January 1st, 1923, no, I did not do the game. I wasn't going to say that. I was never even going to make that joke, Steve. <laughs> no, McGloin was going to. I was. I was. But I was going to let you finish what you were saying first. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, so that's the irony of it. 100 years later, they're back and, uh, you know, and they get to play in what will be the last in this format of it. Well, speaking of history, uh, Matt, you were uh, in your redshirt season during the 08-09 year, and obviously the 2008 Penn State football team went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, To hear what Steve was just saying, he's absolutely right. This is the last year that you're going to see that conventional Pac-10 or 12 versus Big Ten matchup. Does that make you a little melancholy considering that you've experienced it? You you know, one of the the great things about it was just the atmosphere and the environment itself and just having the chance to kind of stand on that sideline and take a look around and just kind of be like, wow, like that, that's all it was. It's so impressive. Like for some reason, like Steve, like, I, like I remember the grass and like, yes. I remember, you know, you, you know, and that's strange yeah. to say, but like, I, I just remember, I'm like, look at this grass. Like The last time Penn State was there, they did a walkthrough in the stadium. They just walked in, so they looked. So everybody can see it first the day before, which I'm, sh- I'm sure you're going to do this time, just so everybody can walk in, see it. Then you go to a high school and you do the actual practice, okay? Uh, and Jack Ham and I were standing on the field and we were talking to the groundskeeper. And what they do is, is they grow three different fields, and then they pick the best one and they put that in. And that is the field for the whole year, right? That, that's in there. I mean, concerts will get to it once in a while, something like that. But I mean, that's what they do. I mean, so if you're wondering, like Jack Ham and I are standing there talking about the grass. <laughs> <laughs> we already got all the other stuff done. So let's talk about the grass. Well, it's beautiful, Matt, and the way you were talking about it, like it's just perfectly manicured, manicured the entire event. It's yeah, it's just the scene, the environment itself, like half the stadium is was Penn State blue, Steve. The other half was was USC red, you know, and I always thought that was cool, too. And just again, having to be a part of that game, growing up watching that game and then fast forward to be there standing on the sideline. It's just uh, 
it's it's a fantastic experience and it's one of those moments and it's one of those games that you know again i didn't play in it but but to be standing there and to be a part of it it's it's one of those moments that you take with you forever because of the history the tradition of it and to be a part of it in some capacity was uh was just it was just incredible it really was when Michigan State went to play Stanford, uh, they played Penn State in basketball right before they went out to, you know, the broadcast team. And I said to Will Team and their broadcaster, I said, I know you're, he says, I know you're not going to be there long because it was going to be, hey, he's going to go the next day and he was going to do the game. I said, when you get there, I said, do me a favor, just take five minutes and absorb it. Mm-hmm. to just stand there and absorb all of it, then go and get immersed in your job. I saw him. He called me a week later. He said, I did exactly what you said. I'm so glad you told me to do that. Because so, you don't, it, it, you it's, don't it's, do that, Steve. You, as no, a player, you don't yeah. do it. You, you, right. you, you, and not, not that you're not fortunate or blessed to have the opportunity to lace it up every Saturday afternoon in different college atmospheres, home away at Beaver Stadium, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. But you you mentioned it earlier. It's a business trip. And mm-hmm. as a player and as yeah. a coach, you place so much emphasis on that. Right. Yeah. Not, don't get carried away in this. Don't look at this. Don't pay attention to this. This is right. a business trip. We're right. here to win this football game. So you you create that mindset in that mentality so that when you show up to these awesome stadiums, you, yeah. you look around and you're like, I don't even care. All it right. doesn't matter. We're not here for that. We're not here to look around and smile and soak it in and be glad. But I think, I think like, and and for me, like not playing in that game, (laughs) knowing I was a red shirt, like stand there, I got to look around and think like, this is, this is pretty great here right Right. now. But I mean, but he, but Matt's right that, you know, and and Matt knows because he's been on the broadcast team with us. I mean, they're business trips. Uh, You know, I mean, am I going to the parade? No, Uh, I'll go out to dinner a couple of times and then, the next morning, I got to be on a plane from Los Angeles to Detroit. I got a basketball game in Michigan on the fourth. So it's so you transition from one business trip to the next, but it doesn't mean you can't in our business take five minutes and look around and say, "Look at the San Gabriels. Look at this scene. Look at the B two bomber coming in over the stadium when they play the national anthem." Take in the wow moments and appreciate it. Then when they kick it off, it's back to business. Steve, let's talk about the here and now with Penn State. Obviously, sure. this event speaks for itself. Uh, sure. Matt and I were talking about this in recent weeks on Paydirt is that people were speculating about who Penn State could draw in a bowl game. And a lot of people were throwing out big ideas for weeks and that, you know, uh, Tennessee before Hendon Hooker was injured was possible. Alabama was possible. Um, USC was possible before they kind of got hot late. But then just chaos this weekend, uh, especially regarding the college football playoff. There was even a point, Steve where it looked like Penn State might play Tulane in the Cotton Bowl. And there was some real worry from Penn State fans that this was going to be a quote-unquote meaningless bowl game. Now it is the complete opposite. Um, From what you've gauged just in that last handful of hours since this news broke, what's the reaction from the program and people around the program? Well, they're thrilled because they got a big challenge in front of them, and you can really make your mark nationally by playing at a game like this against an opponent like Utah. I mean, let's remember where Utah started this season. Utah started this season ranked in the top seven in the country. Uh, 
uh, and they uh, they were considered to be a college football playoff contender because they had most of the players back, including Cam Rising, their quarterback, from last year after that great season they had a year ago and that great Rose Bowl game they played against Ohio State that Ohio State finally won. And then they went to Florida and they lost a tough one. All right. And they're like, okay. And then, you know, as the season went, they then played and they, they lost the game to Oregon where it was on the road. Oregon's really good, but they played flat, which was really unusual for them. And then they've bounced back after that. And the two wins over USC were tremendous games. They are a physically tough team. Uh, back, and I mentioned Michigan State playing Stanford back in the day, when Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw, Stanford played like a Big Ten team. In a lot of ways, Utah does. Big up front. Uh, they've had, they have an interesting situation at running back. Tavion Thomas got banged up and then three weeks ago left the team. He's their leading rusher. Uh, but they've filled in with Micah Bernard and, and, and a couple of other guys. Jackson, they've converted him from quarterback to tailback. Yeah, I've already done homework. And, the, and the, the tight end, the tight end that transferred from San Diego, not San Diego State, is really terrific. He had 16 catches in the first USC game. And then defensively, Phillips is one of the top corners in the country. He's got six picks already this year. Uh, I think it's interesting about him. He has six picks. He only has 24 tackles, you know, it tells me. They're not throwing in his direction very much because in one game he had three of them. Uh, the kicking game is a little like this, okay? But it, in the trenches, they go after you. And rising, this is a matchup of two really just tough quarterbacks. Rising is tough. And his numbers are very similar to Sean. Sean's 64%, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Rising is about, I think, 66 67%, and 25 touchdowns and seven interceptions because he had the extra game against USC. Uh, so they're, they're very similar as to how they play. They're similar in terms of how tough they are. They're similar in terms of skill set. It's, you know, and Rising's the kind of guy where he's, he's a lot like Matt. I mean, you can't, you can never throw Matt off his game. Well, you can't throw rising off his game. He's a very difficult guy to do that with. Matt, when you've had chances to watch Cam rising and to watch Utah, what's your takeaway? Yeah, I, I think Steve said it perfectly. Like you can't like they're, they're it's a well-prepared football team week in and week out. They, they, they know who they are. Like, you know, you mentioned like Stanford a few years back playing like a big 10 football program. Like I, I think Utah plays a similar type style of football where they would be able to fit into the big 10. Yes. I talked about, I talked about like identities, uh, Tom, and we talked a little bit about that this year and like Penn state started to find their identity as the year went on, who they had, who was contributing and and obviously the running backs developing the way they were certainly changed the way this offense was and how balanced it was. But I talk about identity and it's like, it's like Michigan, like they know who they are week in and week out. And this is what they do. This is what they're going to do. And it's up to you to stop it. Um, now, Steve is like, when you look around, like kind of this, this, these, these bowl games and bowl game seasons for Penn state, is this the best? And I know it's the Rose bowl. Like I understand, I get it. Mm -hmm. Granddaddy, the mall, one of the best yeah. you want to be a part of. Yeah. But for Penn State moving forward, is this the best 
position, I guess, that they yeah. could be in. And I, and I asked that question because, uh-huh. and Tom knows, uh, one of the last episodes we were talking about this, and I said, for me, and again, Kyle Whittingham has done a tremendous job over the years at mm-hmm. Utah. They he has put them on the map nationally, year in and year out. Obviously, you know, look at look at where they are today, and you know, winning winning a Pac Pac twelve championship. But you know, I was saying, I want to play a brand rather than be a part of a bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when well, you look at, it, is this the best spot that they could be in? They're ten and two, and it's the best spot they can be in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think uh, because Utah again, where did Utah start the season? They started right. the yeah. season seventh as a college football playoff contender, and were thought to be that. Watch out for this team. And to their credit, they ended up eighth at least to this point. Uh, so they've just about matched what what their preseason thought was going to be. Penn State exceeded that preseason thought. I think this is going to be an important experience because Penn State is positioned in an interesting area for 24 and 25, look at all the players on this team that are young that are going to play next year and are going to play the year after. Singleton, Allen, Carter. You start going through the long list of guys that are going to be playing. Durant, Denai Dennis Sutton, uh, Drew Shelton. I mean, these are all true freshmen. Winston, Miller. You keep going through the list of guys that are going to play and a long list that are going to play next year. So this is an important experience for them where they can use this as twofold, finish this season right and be a springboard for next season and be a catalyst for next season. So at that, and, and not only that, you'll be doing it against a quality opponent. And you know that. And beating a quality opponent gives you a lot of confidence. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code paydirt 15 Paydirt15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team has geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Obviously, you go into the game, Steve, you're hoping to beat said quality opponent. However, even if you play competitively and lose to Utah, is there really anything to lose considering this stage? Uh, I did the game in 2016, Tom, and Penn State lost the game 42 to 40, 52 to 49. Mm-hmm. That was as competitive a game as you could ask, ask Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Tremendous. And everybody was sick to their stomach going back to the hotel. I mean, it just it doesn't do anything for you, right? You did not win. It doesn't matter how competitive you were, uh, you know. And Matt's the ultimate competitor. Matt can tell you losing stinks, 
uh, and, and it does. Uh, and you know, when you're winning, it's the greatest feeling going. I mean, I remember talking to Miles Sanders after the Fiesta Bowl when they beat Washington. Boy, were they energized. And Jack Ham and I were talking to him. He said, when are you going to get back to the weight room? He said, tomorrow. Now, he actually meant a week from tomorrow because he was not. <laughs> but, that, but that's the energy you feel when you win something like this. And that, that's the important part of it. And so, you know, you've got a, you've got a real opportunity here. And you have to take advantage of that opportunity. I think it's important for Penn state to take care, you know, to take care of its business and to take care of this opportunity. Cause I think it can mean a lot for the program moving forward. It can mean a ton. And that's kind of the reason I asked that question, Steve, is yeah. because even you can be competitive. And I would argue that game against USC, the image of Penn state, the image of that team didn't take a hit, even though they lost to USC. No, no. If anything, no, it, their, the respect was amplified. It, it didn't except you weren't on the bus on the way back. Yes. To the I'm glad it wasn't. That must've been <laughs> no, terrible. I can, I can tell you I'm on the bus on the way back to the hotel. It didn't feel that energetic. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you know that I, I hate, losing more than I like. Yes. Winning. Yeah. But no. It's one of those things where, and, and you just talked about a little bit earlier with Penn state, like it's, it's expected. Yeah. But you, you sure. don't, you, when you play at Penn state, you don't expect to just be competitive. You expect yes. to win and dominate. Yes. In and week out. And again, this is something that Tom and I talked about. It's a standard and it's yeah. playing to that standard and it's playing to Penn state standard. Steve, have they found that standard now since the Ohio State game? In those yeah. four games, that's what I want to see week in I, week out. I'd say they actually found it in the last six weeks after Michigan. Because remember, they're beating Ohio State with about eight and a half to nine minutes to go in the game in Beaver Stadium. So, And they, they dominated Minnesota. They dominated the last four teams they played. And, and with Ohio State, they're toe-to-toe in the center of the ring for 53 minutes out there, or whatever, you know, whatever the number happens to be. So I think they found that identity in the last six weeks, firing on defense, coming at you from all angles, getting a lot of tackles for losses. They had 41 tackles for losses in the last three games. It's, you know, you know, you look at the number of sacks they had the last three games. And then offensively, Allen and Singleton, what's great is that that became organic. It just happened. And in the end, just through organic play, Singleton had seven more carries than Allen. And they're close. They're tight. I think Keandre Lambert-Smith emerging the way he did down the stretch. They've been aching for a guy like that that can take the top off to make some plays for them. You know, and I thought the play calling Manny, I think everybody's praised Manny's play calling all season long. I think the last six games, I think Mike Yurse has done a heck of a job play calling running that T formation. Nobody's running that the inverted wishbone. Who's running that. <laughs> and now they have a very, they have variations off of it. You know, some of the touchdown play to Singleton in the Michigan state game, they come out in the T formation and what do they do? They shift and go to the diamond and they throw to Singleton and he uses the three blockers in front to score. Hey, this is, you know, you can see it's smart. It's next level thinking. And it, that's because they have the people to pull this thing off. And that really helps. And plus it's really helped at the offensive line, despite everything that's happened there. Tangwall gets hurt. Olu gets hurt. Wallace gets hurt. Well, okay. Juice is there. 
Wormley's there. Norzat's turned out to be the big plus they hoped he would be when he, when he got here. Afner, who had, had surgery back in January, is tough as nails. I mean, he's like Matt. Matt's a, Matt, I was concerned about a foxhole guy. Afner's a foxhole guy. Okay. And then, you know, you see Shelton, the true freshman. Like, wow. And you know how tough it is? You know, they do a good job of mixing and matching offensive lines at different points uh, just to do it. You know, move guys around different positions just in case they need it. And I think that's helped them create cohesion. Even when they had moving parts, they had all worked together before, and that really helps. Steve, this is the time of year, you know, you mentioned Olu uh, recently announced that he's returning for 2023. He's been week to week with injuries. Meanwhile, Christian Veyer declaring he's entering the transfer portal. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., to the surprise of no one, declares that he's not playing in the bowl game and he's going to the NFL draft. That was within the last few days. And then this news breaks. Does that just change everything if you're a player that's on the fence for one reason or another? Um, I think it, it makes a difference for them. I, I do. Uh, it, because I know Utah is probably not going to have any opt-outs and did not have any opt-outs last year. They also have a lot of players from Southern California. Uh, so they have a lot of people going back home. I mean, to, I mean, take Rising. He's from Ventura, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think the fact that it is the Rose Bowl helps with the decision-making of I'd really like to play in the game. Uh, and I, you know, and we'll see how it plays out, but I think, I don't think there's going to be, I mean, there could be some news, but I don't think there's going to be that much news on that front. I mean, we all, Rodney McGraw, by the way, is the latest who put his name in the transfer portal, but the guys who put their names in the transfer portal so far were the ones that made sense, right? There's nobody we sat back and went, uh Oh, what does that mean? No, I mean, nothing like that has happened so far with all due respect. So, yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean, they, Penn State had never had an opt-out until last year. They'd never. And yeah, you're that, like. That was one of the things, too, you obviously concern yourself with nowadays is guys opting out or guys yeah. moving on, which obviously the guys in the portal, as you just mentioned, were guys that you expected, right? You didn't sure. expect to move into 2023 with Bayer, Alar, and Perbula. All on all on the roster and yeah. all in that quarterback room, but Steve, like you, know, you you talked about Lambert Smith. One of the concerns that that I have moving into twenty twenty three is who is that next guy going to be? If you're Mike Yurcich, do you continue to try to rely on your tight end room as essentially a third wide receiver? Right, Tinsley's moving on. We don't know what Parker Washington is doing yet. Right. So there are a lot of questions that need to be answered in that wide receiver room. Certainly, there's talent there. Right. Yeah. How much of that time now do you think for this bull prep, this bull practice will be dedicated to finding that guy? And would you be surprised if they have to go to the portal to find a wide receiver? No, I think the portal is going to be part of the wide receiver like they did with Tinsley last year. Uh, You sit there to me, James Franklin uses the portal really well because it's recruit as many guys that, get into your system that are young players and then ingrain themselves in the culture and also in the developmental part of it. Okay. What are we missing? Can use another offensive lineman, Hunter Norzad can use another defensive end chop Robinson could use another wide receiver, Mitchell Tinsley. Now that's not Michigan state taking 20 guys. That's just taking a few guys saying that when the recruiting process is done, 
on December 21st, okay, we did great here, here, and here. What do we need? And so you go after need at that point. So that's how they've gone about it. And you're right. I think that's going to be an area that they will have to go to in the transfer portal will be the wide receiver part. Lambert Smith, Amari Evans, who's a terrific prospect, obviously, you know, and we'll, we'll find out what Parker, Parker wants to do. Um, they still have Malik Mega and, you know, and a couple of young players, Johnson and Ivy, that the fans haven't seen yet, but, you know, a couple of guys that can move and potentially make some plays for you. But part of the strength of the tight end room is that it, they, you're not going to have guys there that take the top off, but it's different. And teams have to spend a lot of time getting ready for it uh, because of the variety of formations they use them in the variety of ways they use them in it and their talent. Uh, bowl preparation. They've already done a couple of full team practices. There are going to be some practices that are going to be dedicated next week to development. Then a couple more full team practices. So you're going to have some, you know, you, you, know, you like to mix in developmental practices with full team practices because that this is an important time to now really emphasize instead of you running the scout team off the card, here's our card, run our place. Let's see how you can do with it. Right. And you, and you go from there and you find out what you have, which then helps set up the spring practice for you in a lot of ways. So you can combine both right now before you really lock in on Utah. You mentioned development. So I have to ask about Drew Allar, you know, because, <laughs> you know, because uh, I've, back, I've, like, not, I've noticed him out there. <laughs> you look back, like, you look back on the season yeah. And for me, it was unexpected. Like after, because, you know, you're we're not there for the summer. You're sure. not there for training camp, right? We, I, we, I, I had the chance to be on the sideline for the spring game and evaluate what I saw after the spring game. Sure. Tom, you, Tom, you remember this. I said, it's it's Clifford, then it's Vayer, and there's a gap in those, those other two guys. So I, I, I can only imagine how far that kid went in the summer yeah. training camp to not just be able to surpass, uh, surpass Veyer, but for them to say, all right, if Clifford gets hurt, <laughs> they're going to this guy. Yeah. And they had to on the road at Purdue. Yeah. What have, what have you seen him? Uh, what, what have you seen in him, his changes, his development, the, the mental approach. And I mean, again, this is why going to a bowl game is so beneficial because guys like Drew Allar get those yeah. developmental reps in December here. And they're not just, and Steve, I've run Cardo Scouto team where right. you're, where you're running other plays teams and the defensive yeah. coordinator saying, you got to throw the post here. You got to throw the in, which as you know, I never did. I always just threw it to the open guy. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but what, what have you, what, what, what have you seen from Drew? That's kind of stood out mentally and physically. Well, First of all, let's go back to when you were with Bill O'Brien. Now, you were a veteran at that point. But what was the learning curve in the spring for you? And then... Please. Right. Then yeah. what was... Then when you... on your What was the difference between you and the, your first day of camp compared to the spring? Because you had the spring. And you know the story. Had, yeah. You know right. the story with, with right. me was that I used to just stand in front of the mirror and read plays. Yeah. That way I'd walk into the huddle, boom, 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 boom. I'm spitting the play out, break. I walk to the huddle, and then I can think about the play itself. 
you, you get into a habit of doing that walk in the field, backed up yeah. situations, plus territory, red zone, whatever yeah. it may be, third downs. And then you're saying the play to yourself, you're going to the fight. You're not even thinking. You're just spitting out, spitting out. Boom, here I go. Reads progressions. Defenses dictate where I'm going with the football now when I get into training camp here. So you were able to pick it up fairly quickly. But again, I, that was my fifth year. Right. So and, here he is as a freshman in the spring doing what you're talking about. Okay. I'm thinking here, 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 here. And then you're trying to throw the ball. Well, after going through the spring and off-season workouts, now everything started happening organically for him. He didn't have to think as much. Everybody knows I'm so much better when I don't think. <laughs> right? But you know, suddenly now it became natural to him. It became more instinctive to him. So now the ball's flying out of his hand to the spot he wants to go in because he knows what he wants to do and why he's doing it. He didn't have to think about it as much as he did in the spring. And you can see that made a big difference in him. His release is fabulous. The ball comes out of his hand just in a little different way. Uh, he puts touch in the ball. He's a little bit better on the move than people think he is. But, you know, to be honest with you, don't ever count out Bo Perbula because Bo Perbula is uh, – I've watched him now for a year, and Bo is – a really terrific prospect and he works hard and he's got real leadership quality and Drew's the same way. He's got really strong leadership quality, which helps. And I think that now that the offense has become instinctive to him, that's why you're seeing the results you're seeing. And I thought James Franklin in all honesty handled the situation really well. You know, think of all the games where he was getting a quarter and a half worth of reps I mean, how many games did he get? You know, it's like a quarter and a half, not just a couple of series in the fourth quarter. Like in the third quarter, he's in the game. And, you know, they would do the first couple of series with the ones. Then they'd start integrating other people. But he got a fair amount of experience with the one offensive line, the one receivers before transitioning to other guys. And I think it aided his development. And also having a veteran like Sean Clifford around made a big difference because this is how you practice. This is how you watch a video. This is why you watch it that way. And it makes a big difference. And if you talk to the Perbulas and the Owlers, they'll tell you Clifford's a big aid to their sons as to their development. You mentioned Sean Clifford, Steve, and I think that's a perfect way for us to kind of come to a conclusion here on this episode is that, you know, obviously this news was just broken within the last few hours, the time we're recording this. Sean Clifford posted a, a picture on social media of him as a very young boy standing outside uh, the Rose Bowl Stadium in Pasadena. It's really Fitting. I mean, Hollywood writers couldn't write it better. Six years in the program, starter for four years. His last game as a Nittany Lion is going to be at the Rose Bowl. There are a lot of Penn State fans that are tired of Sean. There are a lot of Penn State fans who appreciate Sean Clifford. What do you feel about Clifford going into this Rose Bowl? If you're around him, you can't help but like him. Uh, and and if you're around him, you can't help but respect him. And, you know, that's the difference between being around somebody like that all the time and then trying to look at somebody from 30,000 feet. Uh, and, you know, he has worked so hard. He has fought through a lot. He played a good chunk of last season, hurt, and yet 
it was, you know, he felt it was the, you know, and they felt it was best for the team to, to give them a chance to win that he played and he kept playing this year. He was healthier. It made a big difference. I think I told both of you in the preseason, you said what would be success statistically for him. And I said, if he can hit 65% and be three to one touchdown to interceptions, I I'd say that's a, a roadmap to success. He ended up at 64% with 22 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for anybody who says, you know, that he's not the big reason why they won some games, uh, you know, that's why I like talking to you guys. You guys have a pretty good feel for, for actually what it takes to win. Uh, and he is a reason that they won games this season, along with a long list of other reasons as well. But don't discount what he did in helping with the winning and being an important part of the winning because he did. And now he's a quarterback that has an 11 win season under his belt. And he has a 10 win season under his belt, maybe a second 11 win season. So uh, he's done a little bit better. I think than the critics uh, realize. It's crazy to think that that 11 win season is possible. I'll be the first one to stand up and say in the off season, I didn't know that this type of season was in the cards and especially to wind it all down at the Rose bowl. It's so special. Uh, and of course, Steve, it's special to always have you on here with us. We appreciate you hopping on literally. It's like eight o'clock at night and you're just like, yeah, I'll go on Pater for a little bit. We appreciate it. <laughs> My pleasure guys. Anytime. And Matt always likes the fact that I remember all the uh, great moments of his career. I used to say, Tom, I used to say, so again, going back to 2019, when I did sideline radio with Steve and Jack, you know, Steve mentioned going out to dinner uh, and things like that. We would always get dinner. Uh, when we when we flew in and we landed, Steve, the night before the game, Steve used to rattle off these stories and these stats back in the '97 season. So and so, and for a while, Tom, like I'm thinking to myself, for a while, I'm thinking like, all right, either like he remembers and knows all this, or he's just making all this stuff up. Either way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. You know, you I, say I, anything convincingly <laughs> enough, people will believe you. <laughs> I've never seen anything. I never, Steve, I've never seen anything like it. your ability to remember wow. plays, moments, calls, games. You, you are, uh, you're the best man. Uh, well, I appreciate, believe me, I appreciate all you guys. So, you know, I've been very fortunate in my career to do what I do. And probably because I can remember so many things is because I've appreciated it so much. Steve, we appreciate you. Thank you for coming on and have fun when you get to Pasadena. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Matt. We're going to go out to dinner and reminisce. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.